Hi everybody, I hope I'm live because when we use the share screen, I don't know anything. Anyway, uh, great to have you here. This is going to be really quick. We're going to make you think about a few cases. This first was in chest. Incidental finding on a calcium scoring study. And what do you see? Well, some calcification here. Now, could this be, it looks like it's in the middle of the left ventricle, right? It's not like a calcification of the edge, which is an infarct. And then we give IV contrast, and sure enough, here's the calcification, and there's a filling defect in the patient's left ventricle. You can get a clot, though clots are rare in the left ventricle, usually right atrium, but it can occur. But then usually it's against the wall because it's due to an infarct. Um, what about tumors? What tumors calcify? You can have Mets to the heart. Uh, they can go to left ventricle, uh, almost any chamber. You can have myxomas. Myxoma is typically the most common tumor, most commonly left atrium, then right atrium, and then left ventricle. Myxomas commonly calcify. Mets from sarcomas can go to the heart, but usually not to the left ventricle. There it is very nicely. So you have a round oval mass with some faint calcification. What is it? Think, think, think. A myxoma in the left ventricle. I will have to admit there's very few myxomas I've seen in the left ventricle. Left atrium, yes. Between the intraatrial groove, very commonly. Right atrium, yes. Sometimes we have a difficulty distinguishing myxoma from thrombus, but centrally positioned like this and in the LV, it's a myxoma. What a great case. This patient has a cough. Well, what do I see on this contrast study? There's a structure, trachea, esophagus maybe. What is this structure? Maybe it's just the esophagus with a bunch of food. If that was the case, you could think of reflux, you could think about a, swarin, a, sw a swallowed foreign body or a piece of steak perhaps. But if you look at it in the sagittal view, it's kind of sitting posteriorly on the esophagus. So now you're thinking about a perforation, but you don't see any other inflammation. What else could it be? A diverticulum. What happens in the upper esophagus? What could this be? Wonderful location, particularly if you're doing fluoroscopy for Zenker's diverticulum. Excellent case. Another case, kind of matches the last one. Remember when I showed you that one image, is it something the patient ate and swallowed and uh, aspirated, a, a gigantic Zenker's diverticulum? It could be on these images, but then you look at the coronal sagittal, wow, look at the esophagus all the way to the GE junction. Now you can say maybe there's a big tumor here, a tumor can obstruct, but usually it doesn't, it presents a lot earlier than this. What could this be? Reflux? Boy, you don't see a big hiatal hernia. And the classic stricture or narrowing right here at the G junction without a mass. That's your classic example. I hear in the background someone screaming of achalasia. A beautiful example of achalasia. And yes, achalasia, although often symptomatic and diagnosed then, can be symptomatic when it's simply just going to be uh, aspiration or a mediastinal widening on a chest x-ray. Now this is a burn patient two weeks post-surgery. The big thing on this case is what about the kidneys? There's a good injection of contrast. There's nothing else looks like it's going on. There's a small clot in the IVC perhaps, but you don't really see cortical medullary differentiation of the kidneys. With a good injection, you should see cortical medullary differentiation. So what happens? 
When I don't see it, you can think the patient's hypotensive. That's a thought. This patient wasn't hypotensive. You could say it's obstructed and there's delayed nephrograms, but there's no obstruction here. There's no dilatation of the calyces. I mentioned about hypotension. That's a good thing. Patient does have a big pericardial effusion. But the other thing you need to be thinking about is a burn patient. You can see there's some fluid in the left buttocks. Patients who have burns often have significant injury of muscles, soft tissues. They get rhabdomyolysis as a complication, and that can lead to uh, what happens is when you have breakdown of muscle, you have excretion in the urine, obstructing of the tubules of the products of rhabdomyolysis, and you have decreased renal function. So this is a really good example. So if you have patients with significant trauma and you lose renal function, there are many causes, but think about rhabdomyolysis, a very important treatable cause. A number of articles, and I'll leave this here for you to read. This is in our PEARL section. Rhabdomyolysis syndrome characterized by breakdown of skeletal muscle, leakage of intracellular myocyte content, such as CPK and myoglobin, into the interstitial space and plasma, resulting in acute kidney injury. Okay? Very, very important diagnosis to think about. Another case, hematuria. When I first looked at this case, I say, oh, it looks like an adrenal mass, but the adrenal's okay. And then I would have a lot more images and say, where's the kidney? So a big renal mass, could this be a big abscess? Could this be a big necrotic cancer? Small nodes, what's going on here? The whole kidney is distorted. You don't see, you see little cortical changes, but you don't see much else. Well, what is this? There's the vessels are small. This is a great case because I'm thinking tumor. I always need to bring in infection. I can think about lymphoma, but this was XGP. Now I have to admit, we see XGP invariably. There's a big stack hole in calculus and dilated calyces and usually no renal function or thinning of the cortex that remains. This was felt to be RCC with nodes. That's how the patient was admitted at another hospital and this ended up being XGP. So it does show XGP occurs these days, still occurs unfortunately, but can have a range of unusual appearances. Another patient with back pain. I had been talking uh, at some of my conferences about things in the pararenal space. This is a mass in the pararenal space on the right that enhances significantly. You also see the spleen rotates posteriorly and bowel falls posteriorly. Patient had a left nephrectomy. Now, unfortunately, you don't have all the images, but that's why the spleen rotates posteriorly. I guess the patient can have a pelvic kidney, but things to the pararenal space include METs. Renal cell is one of them, and that's what this was. Lymphoma would be a possibility. If there was more infiltration of the perirenal and pararenal spaces, you can think about extramedullary hematopoiesis. You could think about a number of different processes. Lymphomatous infiltration would be another one, um, but this was a great example. And you can see here as well, there's a lesion in the patient's pancreas, which is metastatic, renal cell to pancreas, hypervascular, as well as to the pararenal space, okay? What a great case example. Another case, incidental adrenal mass. Now I have to admit, I look at this case, peripheral vascularity, I'm thinking pheo, I'm thinking metastatic something or other, you know, because you have vascular adrenal lesion, it's not gonna be an adenoma. Well, this was a very unusual case. There's been a couple of case reports of adrenal hemangioma. 
adrenal hemangioma, you can see here peripheral vascularity and it fills in over time. When you see a vascular adrenal lesion, you're thinking about metastasis. You're thinking about pheochromocytoma. When they're bigger, typically you're thinking about adrenal cortical carcinoma. But you gotta think about hemangioma. It's a tough call, okay? Incidental finding peripheral puddling looking identical to hepatic hemangioma. At least think about that possibility. It's rare, I promise you, but it's something to think about it. Maybe someday you'll get it right. But don't call everything you see vascular as hemangioma. Then 99% of the time, you are going to be wrong, and don't blame me. Back pain. What do I see here? Big right, solid adrenal mass. Look at the left adrenal. With contrast, arterial phase, the lesion does not enhance very much. As you go to venous phase, there's more enhancement and central necrosis. There it is nicely on the coronal plane. So now I have a six centimeter or so mass, right adrenal gland, compressing the right kidney, central necrosis. What am I thinking? Could be a MET, no known primary, no MET, but it could be a MET. Could be primary adrenal cortical carcinoma, possibility, good thought, often necrotic, often large. Could be a pheo, though pheo, I like to see more vascularity. It could be a really strange adenoma that previously bled. I mean, those are like case reports, but it could be. Only in the Mayo series, only 31% of patients with adrenal lesions over 4CM were actually malignant. Um, you can think of a number of different possibilities. This was adrenal cortical carcinoma. Again, when you have an adrenal lesion and it has differential enhancement patterns, you gotta be thinking about ACC. ACC is not that common, more common in women, usually in their 30s, but it's an important early diagnosis to make so that you can resect it. Uh, there's no good chemo for adrenal cortical carcinoma. Remember, you don't wanna do the surgery uh, laparoscopic, you wanna do it open, so you could remove all of the nodes that are present. What about this case, suspected pancreatic cancer, there's a large mass in the head of the pancreas and you see a dilated pancreatic duct. So I still think you gotta think about pancreas, but the way I ask the question, it's not pancreas, it's so well defined. What can you get there? Well, when I see something that looks like pancreas and it's not, I gotta think about something from the duodenum, like a gist tumor. I gotta think about something near the pancreas, like a paraganglioma, but that's hypervascular. I can think of adenopathy, like metastatic melanoma, simulating a pancreatic mass. But there are a lot of unusual other tumors that can occur. This is a low-density, well-described lesion with cystic changes. That was a schwannoma. Schwannomas can occur almost anywhere. They're rare. This was a schwannoma. The patient was very lucky, resected, and will do fine. What a great case. Another incidental finding, again, in the pancreas. But this lesion, at first glance, you can't really tell it's pancreas. It's not adrenal because you can see the adrenal and it's not the stomach probably. The coronal shows it best. It either comes from the pancreas, exophytic, or extends near the pancreas. If you say near the pancreas, you say mesenteric cyst, you say duplication cyst. If it's from the pancreas, something so exophytic, something so water density, something so well-defined, you can think about all the cystic lesions, but the one that comes to mind is lymphoepithelial cyst, which this was, they come from near the pancreas, they're benign, they don't, there's no malignant potential, a very good diagnosis to be able to make. Now, just because I showed you that case, I'll show you another left upper quadrant. But here the lesion is enhancing, 
There's nodules in the wall. There's this trophic calcification. Could this be an adenocarcinoma? Sure, but calcification is rare. Could this be a neuroendocrine tumor, calcifications, necrosis, and nodules? Yes, this looks bad. This could be an IPMN that went bad. They got multiple uh, tumor nodules inside of it. That's a possibility. And IPMNs can occasionally have calcification. How about a high-grade or malignant MCN? That would be a possibility. The patient is a bit younger. When you have younger patients, particularly in their 20s, and you have a pancreatic mass, you gotta think about SPEN, solid and papillary epithelial neoplasm of the pancreas. They can occur in 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds. And I've shown cases like that in conference. When it's 15 years old or 19, everyone gets SPEN without even looking, but you don't think about it in older cases. SPEN, when resected survival at five years, is better than 90%. And this was a SPEN, solid pseudopapillary epithelial neoplasm of the tail of the pancreas. What a great case. SPENs commonly have calcification, often it's dystrophic, in the gland, near the gland. What a great example. And I think this is my last case. Again, a third pancreatic lesion by the tail. And at first glance on the left, I'm thinking neuroendocrine tumor, but then you keep looking at the lesion and as you go from the looking at it, you say, well, there's dilated pancreatic duct and atrophy of the gland. I kind of think malignancy. I kind of think adenocarcinoma, but it's vascular. Maybe it's neuroendocrine tumor. When you get to the later phase and you look at the coronal, you say, wait a second. I see what looks like cystic changes. What could this be? Cystic changes. It doesn't look like adeno. It doesn't look like neuroendocrine. It doesn't look like spen. It looks like a serous adenoma. Serous adenomas have septations and cystic spaces. Although we don't think about it, they can obstruct the pancreatic duct. They can do incredible things. And that was a serous cyst adenoma. What a great case. And that's the end. So I hope you liked our cases. Um, I hope you enjoyed them.